Welcome to the podcast, Move Forth with Grace. We will be reading the whole Bible in the year 2024. This is such a perfect way to get into God's Word each day and to develop your own relationship with God our Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. I am your host, Angela, and want to first of all say that I am not an expert in theology or church history or a minister, and I never will claim to be. I am a wife and mother who has been reborn and want to be of service to God and gratitude for calling me back home. Welcome to the podcast. The Bible that I will be reading from is the One Year Bible. It is a New Living Translation, and you can find one at www.tendale.com. This episode is brought to you by the Move Forth brand. It encompasses freedom, health, and God's grace. We are created in God's image perfectly and fearfully and wonderfully. There is nothing that we need to do to earn his grace and his healing. He simply gives it to us. I am certified in health and life coaching, but no longer practice. However, I have health tips and resources, products that I love and use, homeschool tips and merchandise available on my website, and that is www.move-forth.com. One of my favorite products on my website and that I use each day are stem cell activation patches. Stem cell therapy can be very costly and can produce results that are short-lived, which is why these patches are so brilliant and they're not considered to be stem cell therapy. They actually activate our own body's production of stem cells and support our health and well-being, all while optimizing our immune system. You can find those out on my website. You can find those on my website as well, www.move-forth.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you for becoming less like you and more like Jesus. May you move forth with grace today. All right. Well, today is day 62. And we will be reading Leviticus 27, 14 through Numbers 154, Mark 11, 1 through 26, Psalm 46, 1 through 11, and Proverbs 10, 23. Just wanted to open up real quick um, with the description of Numbers because we will be uh, closing Leviticus today and beginning uh, Numbers. So the author is Moses and the date is 1420 or 1220 B.C., Uh, This book deals with the journey of Israel from Mount Sinai to the edge of Canaan and the Israelites' preparation to enter the land. Because of sin and unbelief, however, they were not allowed by God to claim their inheritance, but were condemned to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. After the 40 years, they slowly made their way back to Canaan, this time ready to obey God's commands. After winning some important battles to the east of the Jordan River, the Israelites prepared for the entrance into the land itself. The theme of the book is the book shows the continual faithfulness of God and the unbelievable sin of man. Israel rejected God, but God remained true to his word in leading the people through the wilderness and providing for their needs. In the New Testament, the Christian life is likened to a wandering in the wilderness with the promise of a heavenly Canaan before us. And that is Hebrews 3, 7 through 9 and 4, 8 through 11. We will see that reference there. All right, let's go ahead and begin with prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this time together. And we just pray that our hearts can be transformed, Father, that our lives can be fruitful from the Holy Spirit, and that we can grow closer to you and that we can receive your grace and mercy. We say this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus twenty-seven fourteen through Numbers one fifty-four. 
If someone dedicates a house to the Lord, the priest will come to assess its value. The priest's assessment will be final, whether high or low. If the person who dedicated the house wants to buy it back, he must pay the value set by the priest plus 20%. Then the house will again be his. If someone dedicates to the Lord a piece of his family property, its value will be assessed according to the amount of seed required to plant it. 50 shekels of silver for a field planted with five bushels of barley seed. If the field is dedicated to the Lord in the year of the Jubilee, then the entire assessment will apply. But if the field is dedicated after the year of Jubilee, the priest will assess the land's value in proportion to the number of years left until the next year of Jubilee. Its its assessed value is reduced each year. If the person who dedicated the field wants to buy it back, he must pay the value set by the priest plus 20%. Then the field will begin, will again be legally his. But if he does not want to buy it back and it is sold to someone else, the field can no longer be bought back. When the field is released in the year of Jubilee, it will be holy, a field specially set apart for the Lord. It will become the property of the priests. If someone dedicates to the Lord a field he has purchased, but which is not part of his, whole, of his family property, the priest will assess its value based on the number of years left until the next year of Jubilee. On that day, he must give the assessed value of the land as a sacred donation to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field must be returned to the person from whom he purchased it, the one who inherited it as family property. All the payments must be measured by the weight of a sanctuary shekel, which equals 20 geras. You may not dedicate a firstborn animal to the Lord, for the firstborn of your cattle, sheep, and goats already belong to him. However, you may buy back the firstborn of a ceremonially unclean animal by paying the priest's assessment of its worth plus 20%. If you do not buy it back, the priest will sell it as will sell it at its assessed value. However, anything specially set apart for the Lord, whether a person, an animal, or family property, must never be sold or bought back. Anything devoted in this way has been set apart as holy, and it belongs to the Lord. No person specially set apart for destruction may be bought back. Such a person must be put to death. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy back the Lord's tenth of the grain or fruit, you must pay its value plus 20%. Count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord is holy. You may not pick and choose between good and bad animals, and you may not substitute one for another. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy and cannot be bought back. These are the commands that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai for the Israelites. Numbers 1-1 A year after Israel's departure from Egypt, the Lord spoke to Moses in the tabernacle in the wilderness of Sinai. On the first day of the second month of that year, he said, From the whole community of Israel, record the names of all the warriors by their clans and families. List all the men, 20 years old or older, who are able to go to war. You and Aaron must register the troops, and you will be assisted by one family leader from each tribe. These are the tribes and the names of the leaders who will assist you. Reuben, Eliezer, son of Shadur, Simeon, Shelumiel, son of Zerishadai, Judah, Nashon, son of Amenadab, Issachar, 
Nathaniel, son of Zuar, Zebulun, Eliab, son of Helon, Ephraim, son of Joseph, Elishama, son of Amahud, Manasseh, son of Joseph, Joseph, Gamaliel, son of Pedusar, Benjamin, Abaddon, son of Gideoni, Dan, Ahazer, son of Amishadai, Asher, Pegiel, son of Okran, Gad, Eliasaph, son of Duel, Naphtali, Ahira, son of Enon. These are the chosen leaders of the community, the leaders of their ancestral tribes, the heads of the clans of Israel. So Moses and Aaron called together these chosen leaders, and they assembled the whole community of Israel on that very day. All the people were registered according to their ancestry by their clans and families. The men of Israel, who were 20 years old or older, were listed one by one, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So Moses recorded their names in the wilderness of Sinai. This is the number of men 20 years old or older who were able to go to war as their names were listed in the records of their clans and families. Okay, so the name that I'm going to read will be from the tribe, and then the number will be obviously how many men. Sorry to add that in there. It's just um, hard to describe without explaining. Okay, so the tribe of Reuben, Jacob's oldest son, had 46,500. Simeon had 59,300. Gad, 45,650, Judah, 74,600, Issachar, 54,400, Zebulun, 57,400, Ephraim, son of Joseph, 40,500, Manasseh, son of Joseph, 32,200, Benjamin, 35,400, Dan, 62,700, Asher, 41,500, and Naphtali, 53,400. These were the men registered by Moses and Aaron and the 12 leaders of Israel, all listed according to their ancestral descent. They were registered by families, all the men of Israel who were 20 years old, older or older, and able to go to war. The total number was 603,550. But this total did not include the Levites, for the Lord had said to Moses, Do not include the tribe of Levi in the registration. Do not count them with the rest of the Israelites. Put the Levites in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant, along with all its furnishings and equipment. They must carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings as you travel, and they must take care of it and camp around it. Whenever it is time for the tabernacle to move, the Levites will take it down, and when it is time to stop, they will set it up again. But an unauthorized person who goes too near to the tabernacle must be put to death. Each tribe of Israel will camp in a designated area with its own family banner. But the Levites will camp around the tabernacle of the covenant to protect the community of Israel from the Lord's anger. The Levites are responsible to stand guard around the tabernacle. So the Israelites did everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Mark 11, 1 through 26. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead, Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? They said that Jesus had told them what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. 
Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David! Praise God in highest heaven! So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the twelve disciples. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, so he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple, and he began to drive out the people, buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it and had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Psalm 46, 1-11 through 11. For the choir director, a song of the descendants of Korah, to be sung by soprano voices. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Proverbs 10:23 Doing wrong is fun for a fool, but living wisely brings pleasure to the sensible. And that concludes our time of reading today. What a beautiful psalm that is. We'll go ahead and start here. Um so Psalm 46 um through 48 are hymns of praise celebrating deliverance from some great foe. Psalm 46 may have been written when the Assyrian army invaded the land and surrounded Jerusalem during Hezekiah's reign. So that is from the study Bible. 
And the theme of Psalm 46 is God is always there to help, providing refuge, security, and peace. God's power is complete and his ultimate victory is certain. He will not fail to rescue those who love him. And so, a beautiful psalm indeed. All right. So, in the companion today. All right. In Numbers uh, 1, 2 through 15, what was the use of taking a census of Israel? Taking a census was long and tedious, but it was an important task. The fighting men had to be counted to determine Israel's military strength before entering the promised land. In addition, the tribes had to be organized to determine the amount of land each would need, as well as to provide genealogical records. Without such a census, the task of conquering and organizing the promised land would have been more difficult. And we are actually popping back to Exodus for a moment uh, with our next question. And it's how could such a large population grow from Jacob's family of 70 who moved down to Egypt? Because we went through some numbers today, right, of how many um, were in each of the 12 tribes of Jacob. And Manasseh and Ephraim are both sons of Joseph. So they were, um, they were included in that. Okay, so how how did that pop, did the population grow? The book of Exodus tells us that the Israelites who descended from Jacob's family multiplied greatly. Because they remained in Egypt more than 400 years, they had plenty of time to grow into a large group of people. After leaving Egypt, they were able to survive in the desert because God miraculously provided the food and water they needed. The leaders of Moab were terrified because of the large number of Israelites. And that will we will be seeing that as we continue to read numbers. All right, in Mark today, why was the fig tree withered after Jesus cleared the temple? There are two parts to this unusual incident, the cursing of the fig tree and the clearing of the temple. The cursing of the fig tree was an acted out parable related to the clearing of the temple. The temple was supposed to be a place of worship, but true worship had disappeared. The fig tree showed promise of fruit, but it produced none. Jesus was showed, um, let's see, Jesus showed his anger at religious life without substance. I think there was a little bit of a typo there. I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Sorry about that. Um, okay, what was the significance of the fig tree? Fig trees require three years from the time they are planted until they can bear fruit. Each tree yields a great amount of fruit twice a year in the late spring and in early autumn. This incident occurred early in the spring fig season. The figs normally grow as the leaves fill out, but this tree, though full of leaves, had none. The tree looked promising, but offered no fruit. Jesus' harsh words to the fig tree could be applied to the nation of Israel. Fruitful in appearance only, Israel was spiritually barren. And there you have it for today. Let's go ahead and end with our prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this time that we get to study and grow and learn. And we just pray for continued heart transformation as we um, read through your word throughout this year. 
we thank you for that transformation and growth. And we know that it is a part of our journeys as we walk with Christ. We just thank you for always being with us as we continue this journey. We thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. We thank you for your protection over us and all of our families. And we just thank you for providing for us, Father, everything that we could need. And we just thank you for your grace and mercy. And we just thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus, your only son, to die in our place. And Jesus, we thank you for being our Savior. Help us to always know that we need you. Help us to never forget the need of you, our Savior, in our lives. We say this prayer in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, that concludes our episode for today. Thank you so much for being here and joining in. I look forward to being with you in the next episode. Take care.